the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance whip beer the neighborhood original Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, November 1st. I'm Donald Ware. Look how the months have passed. We started this podcast on July the 18th. It's already November the 1st. We've got some weeks remaining in HBCU football, still a lot of football left. And of course, you know, this is Takeaway Tuesday. As we get things started, we're going to talk about the HBCU National Players of the Week. First of all, Antonio Meeks, the wide receiver for Tuskegee. Six receptions, 212 yards, two touchdowns in the ball game in Tuskegee's 28-7 victory over Kentucky State. And so with the victory, Tuskegee wraps up the SIAC's Western Division. We've got some more uh, some more to talk about with respect to the SIAC. The other HBCU National Player of the Week, Basial Tootin, the running back from North Carolina A&T, was telling you guys about him at the midway point. One of my top five players to watch. 30 carries, a career-high 30 carries, a career-high 256 yards, two touchdowns in the Aggies, 45-38 to 38 comeback victory over Campbell it was a great ball game ANT was down 28 to 10 after the end of the first quarter it was an emotional win uh, it was a special win it was big time uh, for North Carolina ANT who remains on top or at the top of the Big South along with Gardner Webb who defeated Bryant now these two teams are going to meet the last game of the season on November 19th. But as I mentioned, a lot of football left to be played. Um, and, and really, uh, you're talking about two football games in between now and then before the two teams meet. A&T meets Norfolk State uh, this Saturday. So that's a non-conference game before uh, on the 12th hosting uh, Charleston Southern, as a matter of fact. Taking a look at the polls, no surprise, Jackson State number one, especially uh, and, and specifically unanimous number one in the coaches poll. You've got Jackson State followed by Florida A&M, North Carolina Central, North Carolina A&T and Prairie View A&M are your one through five, six through ten look like this. Southern, Alabama State, Texas Southern, Hampton and Howard. With South Carolina State's loss to Morgan State, South Carolina State drops out of the poll so the defending champs drop out of the poll one of my takeaways is going to be that it's obviously the season is not over over that is for south carolina state in the media poll jackson state number one followed by benedict who remains undefeated so those are the only two teams in hbcu football that are undefeated benedict number two florida a&m number three north carolina central number four albany state rounds out the top five six through ten looks like this Virginia Union, Tuskegee, Southern, North Carolina A&T, and Prairie View A&M. So you're looking at A&T and Prairie View A&M uh, are your teams that re-enter 
the media poll. So last week I did this long soliloquy, right, about uh, the Division II um, regional uh, and specifically the uh, Super Region Two, And so come to find out, I mentioned Albany State was number one, Benedict number two. Those teams were in alphabetical order, not the ranking of the team. So for the first time, the rankings have come out and at the top of the heat, well, Benedict is number two. Okay, but Delta State is number one at the top of the heat. Uh, and then let me look at this. Um, let's see, you've got you've got uh, Wingate at number three. You've got West Florida at number four. Virginia Union is number five. Tusculum is number six. And Tuskegee is number seven. Uh, Albany State 8, Limestone 9, Fayetteville State 10. So if you're Albany State, you've got some, Albany State's got some work to do, okay? Albany State's got some work to do. Um, Tuskegee is right there at number 7. The top 7 teams go to the playoffs. So Tuskegee's got to win its next game, uh, I, I would think, win. And that's where it becomes tricky. Does a conference, should a conference championship game hurt you if you lose? I think we've seen in recent years in the Division Two uh, regional where a division a championship game win can help you, but a loss doesn't necessarily hurt you. But I mean, if you're Tuskegee, you got to win that regular season game. So if you lose that, win the championship, that's you know that's a whole nother um, scenario. Um, particularly when you have Benedict in uh, at, at number two right now. Even if Benedict lost. Uh, I would say Benedict, even if it lost lost its next two games, meaning um, next week and then the championship game, because it's already wrapped up the Eastern Division, I would think Benedict would still get in. Now, it used to be, and, I, and it may still be, that they used to call this, they, they used to call something earned access, where, because there are no automatic bids in Division Two football. But what would happen is, if there was a conference that was not in the top seven, then uh, a conference, they would try to seed uh, that particular conference. So, uh, so, so in essence, at least one conference member is represented. So, so at least you know that each conference is going to be represented. I mentioned, mentioned the Gulf Coast. I mentioned the, the SAC or the South Atlantic Conference. CIAA and SIAC are your four conferences that make up the super region number two. So, a uh, lot of work for Tuskegee to do. Virginia Union's got to maintain because Shawan beats Elizabeth City State. Shawan is in the CIAA championship game. Virginia Union is out. So Virginia Union's got to make sure it wins its game against Virginia State. A loss by Virginia Union, I think, uh, by, by Virginia Union to Virginia State, I think Virginia Union's out. And then Fayetteville State's got a lot of work to do at number 10. I think even with a win to end the season and a win, let's say, in the conference championship, you never you never know if it's Virginia Union and a win over Fayetteville State may help the Broncos. And I would even venture to say that it'd be between those two teams. So if Virginia Union and Fayetteville State played in a championship game, the winner of that game would, would go to the Division II playoffs. That's sort of how... I see things. 
So let me look, let, let's look at some of the takeaways um, from uh, the week. I think Tennessee State's loss to Murray State was huge. Uh, I mean, scoring three points in the game in your your Tennessee State atop the OVC to a Murray State team that hadn't lost. That's huge. I mean, can you bounce back from that? We'll see. Uh, man, I, I just, you know, when you have these opportunities, you got to take advantage of the opportunities. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Tennessee State did not. And Tennessee State had won three straight games and then uh, lost that football game. So that's not a good loss. Takeaway number two, I look at the MEAC, right? Because if you look at the MEAC, if we look at the MEAC, you have a situation in the MEAC now where it's wide open. I mean, if Howard wins out, which I don't know. Listen, Howard's won two games in a row, two big games, right? Defeated Norfolk State uh, this week, defeated Delaware State two weeks ago. Can Howard sustain this? Now, Quentin Williams, the quarterback, is playing well. Howard is a different team than the team we saw over the first five weeks of this season or so, four or five weeks of the season. So it's a different team. Can the Bison sustain We'll see. Right now, I would say I don't think so. We'll see, right? Still got to play South Carolina State. Still got to play North Carolina Central. Still got some of the tougher games. The Bison still have some of the tougher games ahead of them. So let's assume Howard loses at least one more game. Now, everybody's back in it, although Delaware State's two games back in, in a tiebreaker uh, to uh, both Howard and and North Carolina Central. I mean, Delaware State's still in it, but like, like what was said on the conference call uh, today, we're we're you know we 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 were in, we were in the driver's seat, then we were in the passenger seat of the car. Now we're hanging on the bumper. I thought that was a great analogy when you're talking about Delaware State. North Carolina Central would still very much be in it. Um, even Morgan State's got an outside shot. Big big win over South Carolina State. South Carolina State still in it as we sit right now. Uh, you know, Norfolk State sort of on the outside looking in as well. So, you know, it's, I mean, these three weeks, two or three weeks remaining, absolutely critical for teams in the MEAC. And really right now, everybody's still in it. That's the thing. Rod Milstead, the head coach of Delaware State, mentioned it. And he talked a lot about the MEAC, the physicality, you know, the, that the MEAC plays great football, which it always has. I mean, I think you would say now that the, I mean, if, if we're looking at it right now, the SWAC is probably better than the MEAC from the vantage points. First of all, it's got way more teams. Like you're looking at, you know, 12 football teams. It's a lot of teams. Uh, to 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 the Miacs five, right? South Carolina State is is down right now. But again, right now the champion, the defending champ, is South Carolina State out of the Miac Celebration Bowl winners. There was only one SWAC champion, and that was Grambling State in 2016 over North Carolina Central. So while the balance of power may have, it, it remains to be seen if it really has shifted. I don't know that. I just say, I would just say again, SWAC has got way more football teams. You got Jackson State, who's number one, unanimous number one, top five in FCS. 
but it's still a lot of football left to be played. And ultimately, we're going to see how it's settled on the field. Now, the Celebration Bowl doesn't necessarily, it doesn't determine the nat- the HBCU national champion. Um, it helps. And it just so happens that all of the years we've had the Celebration Bowl, the national champion was determined with the exception of 2020 when there was a 2000, spring 2021. Um, that, that was the only year. Otherwise, uh, and that's the spring of 2021. Otherwise, um, and of course, the HBCU uh, coaches and media polls determined, and I think it still does. It just so happens that the winner of the Celebration Bowl was deemed um, HBCU national champions. So that's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three, North Carolina A&T playing some really good football right now. Five straight wins after starting the season off. 0-3, got down to Campbell 28-10. I mean, it was unbelievable. The penalties that were being called. I mean, Campbell played up-tempo. Just an up-tempo style of game. It was like the, the play was over within 10 seconds, okay? Basically, a lot of times Campbell was running another play. North Dakota State played some up-tempo against A&T. Duke played some up-tempo against A&T. Campbell's up-tempo was way faster than both Duke and North Dakota State. Yet somehow the Aggies persevered. The defense started to come to life. After Campbell scored on its first four possessions, A&T's defense then came to life and really started to shut down, really started to shut down that Campbell offense. Um... So, uh, and shut it down to the tune of over the next three quarters, Campbell only scored uh, seven points. So you're looking at an ANT team that's really, really hot um, right now. And so uh, that's, that's, I mean, in a, in a non-conference game coming up with an opportunity at the Big South. Two Big South games remaining. ANT needs to win both, especially the way Gardner-Webb is playing. And Gardner-Webb got after ANT on last year so we'll ultimately see what happens there um you've got you know takeaway number four congrats to tuskegee congrats to fayetteville state congrats to benedict uh, all of those teams have wrapped up respective divisions um, and now looking at uh championship play uh for fayetteville state it's going to be the fifth straight year in the ciaa tam- championship game we'll see if if the fifth year is in fact the charm for the Broncos. So those are some of my takeaways from week two or week, excuse me, week nine uh, in HBCU football sprinkled in with a little bit uh, of talking about the division two regional rankings. We continue to mourn the loss of Mr. Eric Moore. Uh, what a phenomenal legacy that, um, he left uh, for a lot of us, uh, right? A lot of, uh, most of us. Uh, and when you, you know, with the boom of the internet in the 90s, I know a lot of younger people don't understand that, but I was, you know, college when the internet kind of came around. And, you know, what he did in the promotion and the publicity of HBCU sports cannot be talked about enough. And so on the weekend edition of Box to Row can be heard on a radio station near you. Uh, We're going to talk about the legacy 
of Eric Moore. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where you can find us on our website, boxtorow.com, also on iheartmedia.com or wherever you get your podcast. And you can watch the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on our website, uh, excuse me, on our YouTube page, on the Box to Row, I should say, on the Box to Row YouTube page. Talk with you tomorrow.